Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Crofton. Crofton, how are you surviving? And don't lead in with a fake cough, because you should not worry people like that. God damn it, Ryan. Yeah, that I was know. I knew be... you were going to do. Ah, that was my... You had literally here, Crofton oh. coughs uh, fakely. If, uh, if, uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I'm just... Yeah. Uh, it's fine print. No, no, uh, I am. Uh, yeah, all is all is good, Ryan. Uh, like, I mean, all is good in a very abnormal situations. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you, good listener, um, in the year twenty twenty four, are deciding, man, this podcast is sick. Th- this guy Crofton, who is now a super famous actor slash podcaster, I'm mm. going to go back through his through his history and find out all the stuff he did. And then you're listening to all these podcasts in order. And you're like, wow, he was always amazing. And then you get to this episode. Well, know that this is the episode where Ryan Murphy and Crofton are quarantined, not together due to um, a viral outbreak or uh, a worldwide global pandemic, which is sounds like something that I would say is like the plot of a, science fiction film or a or a board game or something but yeah, uh, some board game probably called oh what's the word of virus Pandemic. oh yeah yeah, yeah virus, virus that's the one yeah, um, um it's yeah, interesting so- you, you mentioned science fiction novel and i was having this conversation at work and uh if you go generationally um talking to my parents they've never seen anything like it talking to their parents uh even a nurse who's been who who worked 30 years as a nurse uh, and is pushing 90 you know doesn't know anything like it but i think really when you look at this this scenario that's happening now where where governments are, are literally shutting everything down it's unheard of but i think the closest thing you got is you know you know not to make comparisons to this virus to like world war ii but it's very similar to the, probably the way the government handled you know bombings in europe right like just like close your doors bunk, hunker down and just hope for the best and Obviously, we we've got a little more you know resources at our at our at our fingertips here, um, or the, in this well, time frame. But yeah, it's wild. I've heard talk about it being like the Spanish flu at the beginning of the 1900s, and also, oh. uh, I I think about the the home fronts and what they were like during a period of war, mm-hmm. how everything was streamlined towards certain businesses. You can already sort of see that happen, in the sense that um, things like. Uh, uh, grocery stores and uh, and um, uh, medical clinics and all that are 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 receiving um, uh, much more attention, it, whereas you know other other things are falling on the wayside and people are trying to find out find out how to line up behind these these priority areas. Um, my friend Mike would always talk about this job this job book he read called Bullshit Jobs, and. Um, it, the, the essentially the crux of it was that pretty much every job is a bullshit job aside from like a handful. And I think in the case of a global pandemic, to his defense, you start to see which jobs are really the super important jobs. And I never deluded myself to think that my job was the be all end all. But I think a lot of people have. Um, and uh, today, for instance, it, it came out and I, I thought that this was hilarious. The GameStop, which is like the uh, uh, the parent company of EB Games and all sorts of stuff, is um, 
has tried to declare, at least in the state, that they they offer an essential service and therefore need to remain open in this time where all the businesses are getting shut down. And uh, it, it's pretty hilarious because they sell video games, which you can buy digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they, they were trying to say it because – and their justification was that they support teleworking in some, some way, shape, or they form. They support a comfortable know. lifestyle while being locked indoors is, I think – Kind of where they were going for it. Like, oh, yeah, those Funko Pops, they keep you real happy. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I just, uh, I guess, like, for me, and, like, I, I want to know how you're doing and how mm-hmm. your family is doing with it. Oh, but thank you. Where, I, where we're at is that, that we booked this week off for March break. It's Ontario March break here in Canada. Um, we were trying to determine if we were going to go south. We did not, obviously. Now we're pretty much inside our house all week, two kids, two adults. Um, and uh, so I haven't had to balance work. I haven't had to figure out how to do my job. I haven't had to do any of that yet. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people are ha- uh, dealing with that sort of situation. Uh, and you, one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, because, and I thought of you when regular uh, listener Jordan was, uh, was mentioning online how he was he he and his wife were expecting very shortly and I was like oh geez yeah so was Ryan and his mm-hmm. wife and uh, and yeah so are you guys I guess stressed about the situation aside from that how are things going with you two yes and yes you four uh, rather four, yeah, four and a well, half I four, don't even know four I have a small dog a very small so she doesn't count but probably soon to be five the thing is uh i've been so busy with work the last three months um that when it came down to ashley's pregnancy it was like oh that's right that is severely impacted by what's going on now and not and i don't want to sound like i've been you know selfish or anything but ashley and i had a quick chat like ashley's fine with everything she understands like we had a conversation we're, we're we're all good there's no worrying however ashley's mother like calls every other day to be like i'm really worried and i'm like what don't do that like you can't just call and say you're really worried and it's like oh i gotta go my show's on it's like that's not really that great of a thing to do um but where we're at now with the hospital we kind of thought about it i said to ashley like her due date's the end of march so march 31st literally 11 days for, of this from this recording um and which is crazy because i thought to myself like, and so oh, you're shit. like you're in the zone now i think we are like we're in the zone um uh, ashley always went on time or late like usually right the due date or a couple days later i have i have i have a feeling she's gonna go early like a little early um but probably close to the due date but but here's the thing I think with how things are going with with the coronavirus and the spread and and the and the actions the government has taken to you know close, um, you know declare a state of emergency, close uh, non essential places like bars and restaurants, um, you know mandating basically drive through only at least here in Ontario. Uh, the thing is, the hospitals have a have a protocol for this stuff. Um, they aren't. I don't even know if they're treating some of the victims here in Peterborough, like in the hospital or whether they've just sent them home um, to sort of manage their symptoms. I don't know if there are any like serious cases, but here's the thing. Like I think by March 31st, we're still in that zone where if this is going to go worse, it's not going to happen until probably April because right now we're looking at 
you know, these mitigations we're doing are, are trying to slow and flatten the curve. So in two weeks, we are going to see how this how this effort is going to pan out. And hopefully it pans out in a way that the, the experts were hoping for is just to keep cases low so that the healthcare system can handle it. Um, so for us, it's like, I, I, you know, labor and delivery is separate entrance. Um, it's, it's, it's hived away. It's a whole floor. It's all away from the general public. Uh, you know, um, I, I made the mistake of saying it loud, like I felt like the hospital was probably the cleanest place to be. But of course, there's always someone who just has to state the opposite opinion, <laughs> you know, uh, with an earshot, because that's how life works. But I, th- I feel I feel very com- I feel confident in, you know, we're not in a big town. So I don't have to worry about like over like a like a, a larger population. Uh, although every time we go to the hospital for labor delivery, it seems like you overhear a nurse saying, man, why is everyone having babies today? And it's like, OK, that's that's not a good thing to hear out loud. Uh, <laughs> but but we, I, I'm feeling OK. And I think like that's important in a relationship in the sense that I don't get the sense that Ashley's freaking out. But if we're both freaking out, that doesn't help anyone. And I feel like we've, uh, Ashley's never freaking out, but sometimes if she's a little worried, then I kind of go in the opposite direction. I'm like, okay, no, we're going to be fine. Like if I'm being calm, she might be a little worried, but if I'm like freaking out, I'm like freaking out and she's calm. I'm freaking out here, Ashley. I'm freaking out. Like she doesn't go much farther over the line. Me and it's like, I'm all the way down in the depths. Right. So, uh. I would say, though, that that uh, for you guys, like, it's not your first rodeo, and that's got to make it easier. Because um, third child, you know, you've gone through this twice already, you know, mm-hmm. like, so, so yes, the corona stuff, uh, the COVID-19, the, 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 the way things are right now, everything is... is, is concerning but at the same point you know that like that that the target vulnerable audience for that virus are elderly or the seniors yeah. and so um like i was reading it, it's it's wild because um i was even reading kids it could it could just exhibit as a cold and i mean people who have young children like us know the day someone goes to daycare or to school with a cold that kid has it for a day and they're down and out and then they're back on their feet. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's wild. Like to say that this could sometimes exhibit just common cold symptoms and you wouldn't even know your kid had the coronavirus, Right. And it's been spreading it to all these right. elderly people. And I think that that's been like the, the challenge. One thing I found super fascinating about COVID-19 and, and, and this story is that, um, and I, like when I present this, I'm I'm gonna present it in a way that you may think like Crofton, you're, you know, like you're an idiot. There's it's clearly a big deal, but it's a big deal based on our trust of, um, be it medical professionals and what we're being told. And in the age of Trump, that is refreshing almost because. Um, People don't necessarily trust what's coming from their government or what's com- coming from uh, noted professionals, because if we were in an earthquake situation or if there was a giant out of control forest fire or if, you know, if, if, if um, we would see it, we would experience it. We would be like, you know, reacting to it. Whereas in this case, 
there's nothing um there are very few like i mean it's obviously we're trying to do what everyone says is called flattening the curve right now like it, it, it ensure that people don't get sick so quickly that it over encumbers the healthcare system and the hospitals so we're, we're all sort of self-isolating and all that but we're doing that as as a, as a leap of faith it's in what our professionals are telling us they're saying you know this is happening in the world right now and you have to do this otherwise you know it's going to uh spitball it's going to get worse it's going to target the most vulnerable and um and we as in terms of what we owe each other as human beings are making these efforts to protect each other which is fantastic but we're doing that based on what we're being told on the news and on television and over the internet if somebody had no access to any of these things and was just dropped into onto the planet tomorrow um it's they there's nothing like a shaking ground or buildings falling down or anything to say that 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 or even like you know if it was the black plague or something and people are dying left and right and their bodies piled up in the alley and there's like it's just like you know there's clearly this horrible virus there isn't that either it's like because it's just the beginning and we're getting ahead of it mm-hmm. and even if even if it did unfold it would just be a bunch of people coughing or whatever and then some of them would end up having to go to the hospital so it, it's actually I find it very fascinating that like because we are literally changing the way that we live uniformly across the board. Um, all these sporting leagues are being canceled. Um, uh, you know, WrestleMania is not going to have a crowd, Ryan. Like it's yeah. insane. So it's going to be so, even like, more awkward is what you're saying. Even more awkward spread out over two nights. Um, oh but uh but uh, but yeah, it's just like all I, all I'm saying is that it is it's such a weird like I've never obviously I've never been in in a situation like this in my life as as many of us haven't. But this situation is entirely based on us reacting to what we're being told and not what we can see with our eyes. And um, and, and and that to me is reassuring that I guess in the age of Trump that we we are able collectively to recognize when something is important, to listen to our healthcare professionals, and even businesses that are constantly preoccupied with their bottom line and making money are able to, you know, play ball and shut down and, you know, Disneyland's close, right? Like McDonald's is are closed. Like it's just, it's just stuff I never thought I would see, I guess. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't think anyone anticipated uh, the, like I was talking to someone today. It's like, it's crazy that we, uh, we're experiencing this in real time. And this is a unique scenario that no one's experienced. in, like you said, almost over a hundred years, uh, as far as we know. And I mean, there may have been countries that, that had to deal with their own stuff and, and do something similar, but as a worldwide pandemic, it's very interesting to look at how everyone's responding in, in relatively the same way like you know, trying to listen to healthcare uh, you know professionals and 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 even when you look at a leadership standpoint like yeah some people have a stronger leader than others but it's going to be really interesting to see how how this shakes out and and whether and I was just reading something earlier it was like you know, if we don't flatten the curve, if we don't get things under control and cases continue to rise and rise and rise because people are ignoring the advice of stay home, social distancing, 
Um, if you're sick, definitely, definitely don't go outside uh, your house and engage with people. Um, they will have to impose more stricter methods, right? Because right now it's they've put the onus on on the people, and I'm still seeing people who aren't, you know, like they aren't paying attention. Like we went to the park the other day, you know, us and the kids. And we got there and there were other people there. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go over and yell at my kids every time they go near someone else's kids. I just said, Ashley, like, let's just keep moving to a different area or we'll just go for a walk. Like we can't guarantee, even though we're nice people, like it feels weird to like walk away from other people in public. You normally wouldn't. You just like you'd be neighbors. Right. But in this instance, you have to protect not only yourself, but them because, hey, maybe we go back home and we just have the cold for two weeks, but maybe they visit, a, a, you know, or live with an elderly family member, you know, that, that could catch that virus. And, and I think that's the core important part is that, this, you know, when they shut down like Tim Hortons here in Canada, I like if Tim Hortons can do it and you have all these other restaurants that are still like, all the restaurants are closed now but you look at the GameStop idea like EB Games um EB Games Canada announced that they would be closing the store tomorrow there's a major release uh Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing New Horizons they are closing the store to only pre so only people who have pre-ordered can get in to get their game and then on Saturday they're back to normal sort of um not normal but uh reduced hours and Ashley made a good point. It's like reduced hours doesn't solve anything. Reduced hours means the same amount of people need to get in there in less time. Therefore, it's going to be more crowded. So if anything, you kind of need normal, if not more hours, I guess, or like staging hours. Like we w- Ashley went to Costco. She shouldn't be shopping. She shouldn't be going out or whatever, but she's practicing, you know, social distancing and stuff and, and all that fun stuff. But at Costco, they've got like, tiered lines where they are holding people they're you know six feet apart from each other in 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 these lines to make sure that people aren't waiting beside each other right so it's good that these businesses are taking precautions but at what point do we come to the fact of oh an entire you know retail store was infected because they didn't close right um it's it's going to be interesting as we see how the stories unfold over the coming months. And, and that to me is the scary part is, is uh, when are we going to realize a mistake? I guess for me, it's, it, it's, I, I get like, it's, it's going back to what I was saying about trusting in these, these professionals that are telling us not to do these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And how some people are, are, are sort of scoffing in the face, but it's because, and, and when you're talking about like, what are the next steps? Like what will happen next? And and I think that it really depends on the country because you look at what China what China was able to do and what yeah. South Korea was able to do and China did it based on being an autocratic regime and South Korea did it because of you know a hive mind everybody sort of respects you know authority and best practices and in, in, in all all of this but. The USA is built on on the concept of, of personal freedom, right? Like, they're they're not going to be told, um, they're not going to be forcibly quarantined in their houses, like especially for this type of virus that is, you know, um, that is 
while lethal at a higher rate than the flu, not like Ebola or anything like that, they're, they're going to, so, so Americans are not going to be quarantined, like forcibly quarantined. And I, I think that it's pretty likely to say that Canadians are, would not, this would not happen to either. Like we, and it's part of it is valuing a, a value of freedoms. But the other thing is like, what you were talking about how, how we're starting to act with people and like, it is weird. Uh, I, we went on this nature trail and there were other people and you're trying to be friendly with them, but then you're, you're trying to have this weird sort of distance. And sometimes they're cognizant of it. Sometimes they're trying to do the same, but it's just like, what are the things that we've learned? Like we've learned to be kind. We've learned to, you know, that freedom is important. We've, these are things that we take taken away. And what we're doing here in response to this virus is the opposite of those things by its nature. Is it still possible to be kind? Yes, obviously. Mm -hmm. Is it still possible to be free? Yes, obviously. But, but these are things that, that we're encroaching, that we're encroaching into. And it makes some people a lot more uncomfortable, a lot quicker than others. And, um, and I think it's how much you have to give up personally. So right now I've had to give up very precious little, like, and my job is very much uh, open to telework and all sorts of stuff. So I think that it will be fine for me in the days ahead, I, I, I'm fortunate to work for the folks that I do, but um, other people have to compromise a lot in their lives and they may even lose their jobs or there may be, you know, financial repercussions. So I totally understand why where, where people are coming from, where they'd be anxious uh, and um, and uh, the, the idea of finding a balance, which is what mm -hmm. this show is about finding a balance between, you know, your life, your busy life and your, your sort of your leisure pursuits and stuff like that is never going to be sort of more important than, than it is now. Cause you now have new responsibilities, um, keeping everybody calm, keeping your, your family going and stuff like that. I have a young family, so my kids don't know no, for yeah. shit what's going on, yeah, my, but like, my kids oh, have no idea, <laughs> but if you have a 10 year old or whatever, yeah. They they probably do and are probably getting nervous and probably like you know you've got to you got to work with them and, and give them what they need. So uh, definitely it it's a it is a a tricky time. Everything is being affected. I don't know even what I think yet, but like it it is funny because it is like day five. We're recording this. I think it's like day five in Canada hmm. of the the sort of social distancing, self quarantining, kind of like trying to like. Five days is nothing like and and uh, it there's talk about it going for months and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I, I'm just curious to see like like people are all on board. We're all working towards the same goal now. Give it another five days. You know, like I think there's people crossing the picket line and being like, whatever they're, you know, and, and well, then I, I think we'll you're see. right. You, you're I, from what I've been hearing and seeing is that um, we don't know how this is going to impact, uh, you know, the virus spread and it, it might not help enough. It might take uh, a little longer to figure out whether it's helping. And you're right. There are going to be those people who get frustrated, but then that will probably cause more negativity, right? Like that's, that's kind of my thought process is like, hopefully, uh, the government and, you know, businesses, uh, large corporations that can, can, can weather through this can show can show a little like uh leadership right i do i do completely understand you know people who have um jobs there are people that are being laid off 
Um, there are small businesses that are, you know, pausing either on the best case scenario, maybe having to shut down in the worst case scenario. There have been announcements here in Canada of funding to help these small businesses and people sort of get through this. It's hard to say how that will actually work. So again, that's another waiting game. And that's an even tougher waiting game when you know you don't have a job today. Um, I think you and I are lucky enough that we are able to telework and our, and our, and our work is to a certain degree, uh, achievable, uh, from, by teleworking, but there are people who, who don't have that, that opportunity. And I, I really feel for them. And that's where I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on the side of like, we have to listen to the health professionals so that we can get back to normal. But I've had people say like, we might not know what normal, we might not go back to normal for, for, the next few months if not maybe end of summer like this is gonna get harder especially once spring and summer arrives because that's the big thing for Canada you saw the there was a, a video interview of spring break where like a bunch of partiers were talking about how you know they're not gonna <laughs> let the coronavirus get in the way of their partying well it's viral uh, you yeah. know hot damn like as soon as the weather starts getting better you're right there are gonna be people itching right now it's like who wants to walk home from the bar at two in the morning when it's minus 10 out? Like, no, that sounds terrible. But like when it starts to be 30 degrees out, people are going to be really struggling to to continue um, what is essentially a requirement to, to help curb this. It's it's wild. And, and I don't know, like for us personally with the kids, um, Kate and Abigail have no idea what, what's going on, but it's getting tougher and tougher to keep them occupied uh because going to the park isn't necessarily an option because there are a lot of people there it's hard to to continue social distancing so ashley and i have actually looked at last summer we filled the pool in we looked at buying a play structure for them so that they because so they wouldn't have just a giant sand pit giant muddy sand pit to play in so looking at buying you know not a crazy expensive play structure but just something for them to run and jump on uh so we don't have to worry about again running into you know people at the park because again we're trying to practice this social distancing and i'm not about to sit my kids down and try to explain to them what's happening because again like they're kids they these these at this age they shouldn't have to worry about that like that's on us to worry about but you're right like people who have 10 year olds man if this was happening when i was like a teenager or even like 10 12 like i i would be a wreck like it just how do you even process that well, the other thing is that we have it, like, pretty sweet. I was thinking about this. Like, so first off, we're in Canada, so we have a lot of space, uh, yeah. just by and large. I'm in Ottawa, which is a bigger city than, than you're in, but it's still, like, you've been to my house. I'm in a, uh, a sort of stretched out residential area where I can walk on the street and not see anyone pretty easily. Um, I have my own house, which has multiple stories in which we can – live and stuff like that there are people like say in new york city um that are in uh you know uh, an apartment building condo building and they're just stacked on top of each other in small units with barely any space the joke about the friends apartments on the friends tv show was that like how could these folks possibly afford these places in new york city they were being that they were so extravagantly large right mm -hmm. and like you know, my house is bigger than the friend's apartments. <laughs> um, and so uh, so we have that benefit. We have the space. 
we have houses, uh, you know, we're able, we have, we're in an age where we have like video, video games, books, anything can just be downloaded and thrown on. Like we're, we're in an era of an abundance of riches. So that is pretty cool. Like in terms of, in terms of getting through this type of thing, I know that it, our day to day this week has been like we've we've kind of found a routine now. Our routine is based on neither Jesse or I working right now, so it means like one of us gets up with the early with the kids in the morning. It's like an extension of our weekend. We try to go out for a walk um, with the kids after breakfast and stuff, and and then you know we come back and uh, we'll watch some shows, and then then Clara will go for her nap, and then Gwen and either Gwen and I will go down and play some switch together or Gwen and Jess will do some arts and crafts and the adult that's not there will nap because they're probably the one that got up early or rest. Uh, um, uh, and then, and then Clara will get up and we will uh, all have a snack, you know, and then, and then uh, go outside again, be it in the backyard. We used to go to the park and now we've sort of, it's sort of been, gotten across to us that that might not be a great idea yeah um and so uh so yeah like i mean it's just uh and then and then the kids go to bed after supper and then we um and then like tonight i'm podcasting but we've been you know watching shows or playing games or kind of like whatever is the usual so it hasn't been too onerous for me yet um i don't know about you guys how no, how's it what's the day-to-day the day-to-day's is is basically like you said it's it's our sundays so ashley yeah. we normally work on saturdays right. so sunday is is all hands is everyone's everyone's home so um but i i have been working uh from home so i but it's basically like a sunday instead i you know skip downstairs and and get to get to work you know at eight o'clock um but you know i'm gonna be starting uh, i'm actually gonna be starting parental leave funny enough in in 11 days so on the 31st and that means essentially that i will be on well full-time leave for for nine months uh until december so i'm uh, it's it's wild that this virus has hit at this point in time not only because i have to go to the hospital which is where you don't want to go because statistically that's where you know some sick people are uh you know but i'm also then going to be home for for nine months after like going somewhere else for two years straight uh since the last time i had parental leave so it's 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 kind of um it it's kind of an easier adjustment in knowing that this is just the beginning of a of a long stint where i'm going to be home and and i don't believe for a second that people are going to be teleworking for nine months um i think we'll be back to normal hopefully before then but yeah it's it's been a pretty standard stuff but you're right like I've been seeing a lot of reports of like, you know, maybe the park isn't the best, but here in Peterborough, there are so many parks that if you try to go for a walk, you're going to, you're going to run into a park. So we've been trying to take the kids for walks, you know, wagon rides, run outside. It it is a little muddy out there, but again, it's just, it keeps the kids busy. And and like I said, we're going to, we're going to put a play structure up and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really wild, uh, to see how everything's been reacting. And, I don't know about you. You're probably more involved, or at least around more. I get a sense you're more paying attention to the politics of everything. But I'm not going to say it in the states because I know you know uh, their their president is still making 
weird and idiotic remarks. But at least here in Canada, I feel like for the most part, people are understanding and genuinely positive towards the actions that are being taken by maybe a leader they they don't appreciate right like take uh you know our liberal prime minister uh, trudeau or our conservative premier uh yeah, doug ford doug right? ford right yeah no you're right i i see what you're saying in both accounts you're absolutely right uh doug ford's been handling it way better than anybody thought and and trudeau um honestly um like you know you think about it an, an ndp member of parliament tweeted out appreciation uh, ndp is an opposing uh, party in the house the uh, trudeau is a member of the liberal party mm-hmm. and um the ndp member tweeted out appreciations for trudeau which would be akin to the democrats tweeting out appreciations for trump it, it well not quite there because these two parties are a little bit more aligned but it was essentially saying look this guy his wife has the disease they're dealing with it at home the kids are probably scared um you know maybe they're getting sick or maybe trudeau himself is getting sick definitely sophie um his wife is sick and meanwhile he's leading this country through this time of great uncertainty he's having these daily press conferences he's really you know being cool under pressure uh and i think questions as well and not like storming away like a child exactly um exactly so it's just really really um, uh, comforting on that front. You do trust that the, 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 and because I'm close to the workings of the, the communication side of, of government, um, I, I have a sense of the work that goes into this. And, uh, and, uh, I know that, that they're doing the best that they can in the situation that they have. So that is reassuring. You never appreciate a functioning government as much as you do in period of crisis. Right. And I think Trump has gotten away with a lot because, you know, things have been kind of all right. Like, yes, the gun violence in the States is always a crisis. They have other things that, that are recurrent issues, irritants that have always been bad. But generally, people were OK. Uh, and now as he faces a, a crisis, there's a, a lasting impression for him it on the politics front, both in this. So in the States, they're running their primary right for um for the Democrats, and it's definitely taken eyes, I think, off that. People are less pay, paying less attention. And then in Canada, are the party that would be the most likely to defeat the Liberals, um, the Conservatives, they're running a leadership contest here as well, and nobody's paying attention to that. They're saying, they're, I read an editorial the other day about they should just hold the vote tomorrow and get it over with because, um, you know, like everybody just wants to unite uh, as one right now to 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 defeat this situation that we're in. So anyway, it's it's quite crazy, and I'm sure like I'd like to say that the next Dungeons and Divers will be like, wow, that was a crazy two weeks that we were in there. Woo, glad that's over. But I got the impression that we will not be. We will probably still be talking like this. So maybe we should talk about good things instead, Ryan. Well, I think uh, I, I think for sure, if we look at the next two, uh, the next episode, we will have. Well, I'll have a, a third child. I would probably. I, I think that's a safe bet. Um, you know, right now that's we're true. At, yeah, we're looking at eleven days, and I, I had an anecdote <laughs> to to sort of share before we move into the dungeons, and it was essentially. Um, and I, I'd be curious. Obviously, you haven't experienced this because you only have two kids, but. You can probably relate to parts of this. So I found there's a grave difference between sharing the news 
of having your first, your second, and your third child. Um, I think statistically these days people are having less kids as opposed to when when my parents had kids. I'm from a family of four. Ashley's from a family of four. Um, but smaller families are, I think, more common. So when you announce your first kid, everyone's really excited. You announce your second kid, people are, are you know, they congratulate you because it's like, oh, you enjoyed your first one, so you, you're going to have your second one. It, and it's then, the law of diminished returns. It is definitely the law of diminishing returns. And I had uh, – so essentially with our third one, I told a couple people. And uh, obviously very close friends were very, you know, congratulating. Family were very happy. But you tell a couple of, like, acquaintances at work and you get some really odd reactions. So I just kept it to myself. But I think I made a mistake in that I kept it to myself to the point where I was telling people I'm, you know, not not like close superiors or people that have any authority over me, but just coworkers. Oh, yeah, I'm done in two weeks. Uh, I'm going on parental leave. Uh, I think that made it worse. I actually had someone uh, say to me, like, holy crap, you're having kids. Uh, when you get back, I'm going to buy you a box of condoms. This was at work. And I was just like, this, this yeah, is... that's borderline. Yeah, that's not cool. It's like, this is yeah. very uncomfortable. And and I was thinking to myself, like, man, just the responses have been, I should have just ripped the bandaid off. Like when we, when we found out, like, or when we were ready to tell people late last year, but for, I know I left it long. I'm not necessarily blaming myself for this, but I thought like, man, I, I really, I really erred on, on the wrong side here because, uh, clearly people aren't taking it well. Uh, combined with the fact that they're finding out um, um, it's it's happening in a couple weeks, like people just can't help but react in a in a very strong fashion. I've, I I was saying to Ashley like I kept it's my so mouth funny. shut because I didn't want to say I didn't want to make it worse. I just kind of laughed and moved on. But I was saying to Ashley like I should have told I should have told the person like oh no don't buy me a box of condoms you can just pay for the vasectomy that's all send you the bill it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no I was like no that would make it worse. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's definitely the law of hey, diminishing returns for sure. Are vasectomies covered on our health plan? Like, I, like what's the deal? Like, it's elective they... surgery, so I don't. Yeah, that's know. yeah. So, all right, and I have to look just... into it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got to figure it out because uh, ain't going any more than three. <laughs> no, three uh, is the plan. That's the plan, uh, and we're sticking to it. Uh, you uh, guys with your plans. No, yeah, well, you know what? It's uh, it's worked out so far. Um, you know, no, it has worked. There's out so a, there's always a plan A and a plan B. Oh wait, oh god, that's that's no, bad. It's no. a bad joke. It's okay. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Dungeons. Let's delve into some dungeons and and uh, and and bury that joke. Uh, so what have you been? What have you been doing? Because I mean, for me, I've been I've been sort of a mode where I know uh the third kids on the way so i've essentially been you know like a kid with a new video game like scrambling to do my chores and then be like, okay i'm gonna go play video games while i'm awake see you bye and and you know helping as you know when i'm needed of course but so i've just been kind of like binging as much as possible because i know uh once this third kid hits there are going to be fewer pockets of time where i'm going to be able to do this so i think this section will be more interesting for me in the future but as of right now, um, you can basically go listen to the gamers in. I've been playing a lot of Ori in the Ori in the in the various adventures. So I played through Ori in the Blind Forest in preparation for Ori in the Will of the Wisps, and then I also so you did them. Ori you the did them back to back. I did, yeah. So I remember I played um, Ori in the Blind Forest. It came out five years ago. Yep. I never finished it, and then I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to finish this. 
So I booted it back up on my Xbox and and played it from scratch. So yeah. just before you go on, question, mm-hmm. uh, just because I played Ori in the Blind Forest as well. And in fact, like it's been a while now since I, since I played a couple of years or something. But I, I remember like, I don't know why I thought that I wasn't going to like it. Or I just thought like this is before I was gaming with kids as well. And I was just like, you know, it, it has a beautiful art aesthetic, but also kind of like, you know, when you're, you look at a game like Metroid um, or even shadow complex, which was another Metroidvania that I enjoyed that they're like, you know, a cool dude or dudette with a gun on their arm and they're going on adventures and you're like, Oh yeah, this rocks. And then you're, you're doing, you're, you're unlocking all the things and you're enjoying the Metroidvania of it all. Yeah. But Ori is like, oh, I'm like some cute bunny rabbit with this years and blah, blah. And so I sort of I discriminated rabbit. against it early on. And then it got me. And I mean, big time. And by the end, I was like, man, that game was amazing. This was Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, and so I guess my question to you, because I have just installed last night Ori in the Will of the Wisps, because it's included with Xbox Game Pass, although I would have bought it anyway because of how much of a good impression the, um, the first game left. Mm-hmm. Which one is better? Oh, uh, so both games, I'll get off, uh, I'll start with this. Both games are fantastic. Uh, Ori in the Will of the Wisps is... Uh, a sequel that everyone would want in the sense that it approves on every facet and introduces things you didn't think would actually fit within this world um and this ga- the gameplay loop are, are you you're planning to play it on pc right i i'm you have a P- yeah you don't I, have an xbox I am. I don't have an Xbox. I have it on PC. They released Ori in the Blind Forest on Switch and honestly like I made Gwen because I've been playing a ton of video games with my daughter, Gwen, who is five right now. And we've been having a great time. But it is a very fine line between what she finds too scary. Mm. Um, And um, it it is interesting. I'll give you an example of what that line is. Um, When we're playing Yoshi's Crafted World, which is a completely cutesy game, she finds Baby Bowser who is the villain with this uh, wizard. Uh, she finds them spooky, but not really that scary. She's like, oh, daddy, I'm a bit scared, but not really because they're cute and whatever. It's Yoshi. Um, but I downloaded Spyro's. Uh, no, wait, is Spyro? Is that the, the, the dragon, the trilogy that was on the original PlayStation? Spyro uh, the dragon. Yeah. Spyro. And, uh, yeah, so I downloaded the Spyro the Dragon trilogy, and it's all being remade with super nice graphics. Again, very cutesy. But in the introduction, I guess they they all the friendly dragons are frozen by this evil dragon who I thought was super cartoonish. Like, he's just like some evil dragon. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And he's on his couch, and they call him ugly, and then he freezes everybody. Um, and And I didn't think anything of it. Except that night, Gwen had a hard time going to sleep, and she came to see me. She's like, Daddy, I'm scared of the dragon. And I was like, oh, oh God. And now we've never played that game again, even though she kind of wanted to. The next day, I was like, no, we can't play that anymore. You're scared of that dragon. So then we <laughs> yeah, we, watched, we watched the Ori in the Blind Forest video, and uh, in the trailer, like you see the giant, um, and I had forgotten about this, but the owl that is like this 
this omnipresent kind of enemy or whatever in the game and he's flying and he looks nefarious and 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 i could just see gwen like freaking out already and i was like oh yeah okay not maybe not ori in the blind forest yet but but if ori in the will of the wisps was on switch i for sure would would buy it there yeah um, i it, it, it will be i'm sure at one point i think at some point uh, the reason i asked if you can play it on pc is the only thing i would state to folks is that uh, the Xbox version is is having some some performance issues. I'm playing on Xbox. I was playing on Xbox One X, and it was still having hitching whenever it would auto save and stuff. So, uh, PC is definitely the way to go. It, it runs buttery smooth. It's definitely the best version, and it's fantastic. Uh, what I would say is the core, the biggest core difference that really improves the gameplay loop is that you're given more options in combat. Whereas in the first one, you had maybe, you had your one main combat move, which was a very defensive move, and that you would mash X and you would kind of slowly walk away and or kite the enemies. But the first combat move you get in Ori and the Will of the Whips is literally a light sword. And you feel like such a badass, you know, combining nice. that sword with the the mobility of, of Ori. So... Uh, that combined with everything else they do, they ratchet up the visuals, they ratchet up the music, the storytelling, the characters. I had this revelation. I didn't even realize it, even though I had played Ori in the Blind Forest just a week before this. But Jocelyn was saying to me, like, it, the world feels lived in. And I had to think about it. It's like, yeah, there are no additional characters in Ori in the Blind Forest. Just you and the big bad owl, right? The rest are and, monsters. And- well, and the um, the your your friend from the beginning. In yeah, that your friend from the beginning, that... and then there's a another guy that kind of pops up as well, like weird spindly legs dude. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember his name, but outside of that, like you're not engaging with any of those characters. Where in this one, there are characters that you're talking to, you're taking side quests from them, you're building up uh, oh, like, a, like a home base, and uh, there there are NPCs you run into. Um, similar to the tree that was in the first one, right? That, that you were, you were talking to. Uh, yeah. but, but I think that all of that combined with the fact that they, they've added like a quest system and they've expanded on the collectibles. So now you're not finding, you know, 12 life cells, you're finding 24 and they, they're like in halves. Right. So they just take the first one and they, they expand upon it and it's, it is it is literally outside of the performance issues it is literally the best sequel you could ask for in the sense that it takes everything you loved about the first one builds upon it adds more that fits and it's just and it's it's a tight package too like uh, i think so, story in the blind forest was like 10 hours and this one's yeah. 12 to 14 so great so would experience. you would, okay so question uh, like i i you know what forget it because you probably talked about this in the gamers in and i haven't i haven't well uh, you know ask the question you know, and then we can no well they, i guess my question is just like for a listener who mm-hmm. has not played ori in the blind forest like i have so it changes the, the, the equation for me uh but if somebody had not played that would you say if you played ori in the will of the wisps first mm-hmm. a you'd be confused at all plot wise and b um, would it ruin Ori in the Blind Forest? If you're like, wow, this was an amazing game, I'm going to go back and play the first one. Would then the first one feel shittier? Uh, 
it depends. So you can jump straight into Ori and the Will of the Wisps and not worry about the story in the first one because they catch you up pretty quick because there's really not much story to the first one. Um, you're you're put on a journey and you complete that journey and and yeah, it wraps up. But that being said, if you jump straight into Ori and the Will of the Wisps and you say, oh, I want more, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a sequel and it will ruin story beats from the first one. It doesn't ruin the gameplay. I still think the gameplay is solid for the first one. Uh, even, But there will be a bit of a learning curve as you know, you're know you equipping abilities and you're equipping you know, power-ups in Ori and the Will of the Wisps. But in Ori and the Blind Forest, there's, I think there's, a, there's just like you have a select amount of abilities and a select amount of power-ups, not much you know, customization there. So you are going backwards, you know, effectively when it comes to, you know, your combat, but the gameplay of the first one is just so smooth and solid that you could go back. You're just you're immediately going to watch uh, the opening for Ori in the Blind Forest and and uh well, I, I guess I shouldn't say any more, but but the story is spoiled by playing the sequel, but there's really not a whole lot to spoil. There's like two story beats that you'll that you're. Uh, it was supposed more about the gameplay when you were like, "Oh, you get this laser sword right off the bat." I'm like, "Well, you go back to a game where you didn't have a laser sword." Yeah, you know? I, it's... I think for me, it's um, the combat in the first one was was never front and center. So, but but the exploration is still there is still solid uh the the platforming is still amazing so yeah from a combat standpoint yeah you are taking a step back but the exploration the the mobility of the first one and the second one are very on par there's more to will of the wisps but blind forest still has uh, is an excellent adventure game and i would recommend playing one then you know the first one then the second one but if you really did want to do the new and shiny first and then experience uh the first one it, it's that'd be fine i think personally i am i am stoked and i'm looking forward to playing uh playing those games also uh as you know animal crossing releases tomorrow as does doom eternal uh for me in terms of games i've I have never played an Animal Crossing really in my life, except I worked for Nintendo for one summer. And mm. the, the, hey, you were Pikachu, and, right? Yeah, thank you, Brian. Um, I just want to make sure was, that everyone remembers it was that you were Pikachu. Three summers. I, there was there was a uh, there was one where we had like the Animal Crossing just playing in the Megadome or whatever. Anyway, bottom line is I have not really played Animal Crossing, nor have I had any real interest in it, despite many people I like and respect saying it's really fun, but. It seems absolutely perfect to play in quarantine with my daughter. We've just finished Yoshi's Crafted World. And when I say finished, we played the living hell out of that game. Uh, you can go back and collect um, flowers in each level. Uh, they're like stars in Mario. Uh, and we we went back and we did it. We, we pretty much uh, completed almost every world uh and i was literally going insane at the end because of two things one the music is absolutely horrible which is <laughs> which is sad because it is it's a mario game like it's a mario world type game like in the mario extended universe uh and mario i associate with having good music and this one no joke has maybe four tracks all of which are different levels of frustrating and annoying and once you've put time hours and hours into this game uh, mm. those tracks start becoming really really aggravating so that's one thing the other thing is that 
while you can collect um, flowers in each world, each world, ha each sort of group of three worlds, like each a land, if you will, has a guy who gives out requests for special items. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through the levels and throw your Yoshi eggs at those special items. Here's the deal. He probably has 10 of those requests, but he'll only give them to you one at a time. So is to say that is really annoying because you're repeating the same there could be three in the same level but you have to do the level find the thing throw the egg at it go back to see him he gives you a flower then says i have another request for you and then sends you out somewhere again so gwen loves it but i'm just like oh my god this is padding and i gotta hear the stupid music again anyway i'm making yoshi sound like a bad game it is actually a fantastic game especially if you're looking for a game to play with your four or five year old um you can play every level co-op uh you're, you can ride on, like, your your kid can ride on your Yoshi's back and takes care of throwing the, the eggs. It's just been really, really great. Like, it, it, it along with Luigi's Mansion, which also was designed for clearly playing with a, an adult and a child, um, it's just a fantastic game for that. And so we had a really, really good time with it. Mm -hmm. And it, But I was looking to end it, whereas Gwen was like, well, we haven't gotten every flower from oh, every gosh. world. I was like, oh, God, let us play something else. And so she's seen the ads for Animal Crossing on the menu, and I'm like, okay, oh, sweet God. that, that Hopefully... That will be um, a good replacement. So I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow where we're going to get that game uh, and hopefully get some good mileage out of it. I also bought Mario Maker 2, which we're playing right now. And so far, that's been quite successful, although it is very strangely designed in the sense that the story mode is a series of extremely difficult challenges. And uh, that is great for daddy, but not so good for Gwen. Um, and she's watching me do these deathly masochistic levels uh, and uh, to build Peach's castle. So the you, you, Peach's castle is being destroyed. You've got to raise gold by doing these levels. And uh, the level. so Gwen wants to build Peach's castle, but she doesn't want to see these super tough levels. Um, so it, it's kind of weirdly designed. It's designed more for me than it is for her. Although she really likes the create a level feature, which is super intuitive. Right. Um, so she's, she's enjoying that, but I'm not enjoying watching her make levels for a, a bunch of time. So like, whereas Yoshi had something for her and something for me, Luigi had something for her, something to, for me. I'm hoping that animal crossing will be that game, um, for us to play together. I think, uh, think you'll i think you'll appreciate animal crossing it's the thing i find playing games with with uh with younger kids is it it can't it has to be something that's sort of passive yet active at the same time and i think mario maker is a good one because you, you when you're not doing the story levels you can take your time there's no rush right and and you can kind of tailor it so that only uh specific levels that are going to work for your for your kid pop up um, Yoshi's another good one that, you know, uh, both passive and active at the same time. You can take your time with it. Um, Kirby might be another good one. If they, if they ever come out with a, another Kirby game, that would be a good one along those lines, like a more simple platform. But Animal Crossing is, is the, is the passive of all time game. Like it, it, 
you can you can be as involved as you want. You can be, and but this is the other thing too. You got to watch it because if if uh, your daughter's all like, we got to collect all the flowers and Yoshi, she's gonna be like, we got to collect all the bugs in Animal Crossing. We got to do all the fishing. We got to do all the fossil find. You got to be careful if she latches onto that. She might be well. We gotta we gotta catch all the fish, Daddy. Like look at the screen of all the fish we have, and we're missing like a hundred of them. So we gotta get going. Get your fish guide up, Daddy. So, just be mindful of that. <laughs> All right, I will. I will be for sure. Um, it's funny we haven't. We, you know, we missed shows lately, and uh, it's been uh, a lot of craziness. There's been so much that I've I've played on the video game side. Um, mm-hmm that I never spoke about really like Jedi Fallen Order. I know I talked about it a little bit. I, I played the first uh, Phoenix Wright. I bought, I bought that uh, for the switch so that uh, I had something that was not a kid, like not a, <coughs> excuse me, a Gwen game. I want, I've been, uh, but I've been getting into a, a fair amount of TV lately. And uh, I just wanted to take my, a bit of dungeons time to highlight uh, a couple of shows that um, that one that I've been into solo uh, without Jesse and all that sort of like my folding clothes or doing stuff downstairs show, um, which is BoJack Horseman. Now BoJack Horseman is a, an animated show on Netflix that I had gotten into around the time, at, like Gwen was born. Like she was a baby. She's five now. She was a baby. She had just been born, and it was like the first season came out, and I was watching it with like my finger in her mouth as a Seuss, you know, like at twelve in the morning or whatever. It was up there with like the first episode of uh, the first season of Brooklyn Nine Nine or second episode that I that I was watching as sort of like a show that I associate staying up all night with a newborn to watch. Um, but I, at the end of the second season of BoJack Horseman, BoJack Horseman is weird because it's a dark comedy, and. Uh, in a way it tackles a, a, a heavy subject matter, a depression uh, amongst others. And the end of the second season has a cliffhanger that really is sort of like pushes your comfort levels of like, do you want to stick with the show uh, past hmm. that point? And so I didn't, I stopped watching the show uh, and years, years went by and then I'm folding laundry and I don't know. I don't even know read maybe i'd listen to a podcast where they were talking about it and saying what an amazing show it is and so i got back into it and i i I watched season three and then i watched season four and i'm just at the beginning of season five right now there's six seasons total um it's a really good show like it is super well made super well crafted it is like a show that you would point out to somebody as saying that this is a fantastic television show it is not for everyone. Uh, I totally get it. I have not forced Jesse to watch it or be like, hey, you should watch Bojack with me. I know she wouldn't like it, and I totally understand. It's also sort of I've been looking for kind of even before this whole the world is going to go to hell in a pandemic thing, uh, I was uh, I was looking for soft content, easy content, you know, stuff that made me feel good, and uh, Bojack is not that. In fact, one show I never got into – Mad Men, uh, people were always like, oh, Mad Men is so good. And I would watch it. And I'm like, this show sucks. And it, it really, it made me feel depressed. It didn't have comedy like BoJack has. Um, and uh, But it had the same sort of thing with a character you want to root for that keeps letting you down every week. And, uh, and that can be hard. And you cannot want to stick with the show. 
Um, and Bojack has somehow got me on board. I think the comedy does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, but I have been like, there's been some episodes that have blown me away. Like, it's just an amazing, amazing show. Have you watched Bojack Horseman, Ryan? I think I wa- started watching the first season, and it was not my cup of tea. It's uh, it it felt. How do I describe this? Uh, the, I, I'm not into. I'm not really into like you know um, mature cartoons, right? Right. Uh, a lot of people are into South Park. A lot of people are even The Simpsons for that matter. Like I kind of fallen off that stuff. I don't watch cartoons um and not to say cartoons are bad that came out wrong it uh, sounded so judgy it did didn't it, it? I, yeah. I i don't mean it that way I, I i'm trying to remember now do i watch any cartoons i'm just gonna go back to my ori in the blind forest <laughs> and you can all suck it which is straight up a cartoon don't get me wrong yeah, like i think I, I get I, I i get so much of my um entertainment from video games that tv when a show is canceled or ends its run i almost celebrated it. it's like great another one off the list i'm not gonna watch <laughs> any new ones uh you know sometimes i'm watching stuff on netflix and now i'm like now I'm tr- it's bothering me do i not watch any cartoons maybe it's because i watch so much paw patrol it's like you know i just need real people here but i know it's funny because when i was a kid like i'm not sure about you but i'd watch the wonderful world of disney on sundays at six yeah. and like essentially when it was a cartoon, I was like, oh, thank God. And then when it was a live action movie, I'm like, oh, this is garbage. But when you're an adult, it kind of shifts. You're like, oh, it's a cartoon. I can't take it necessarily seriously. And what's different from BoJack than all those other shows, as you mentioned, is the other shows, be it South Park, Family Guy, whatever. Simpsons, Rick and Morty. I, I, I can't. I, I struggle to watch that one as well, right? <clears throat> all those shows are adult car- comedies um and bojack is also a comedy but it is a drama and uh really at its core it's a tragic comedy it, it really blurs the line between tragedy and comedy and and i think that people say that's the 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 powerful thing about comedy in general that it can do that the first season especially the first half of the first season they didn't really know what they had or where they were going but from the end of the first season all of the second season and onwards, it it, it, it solidifies its identity and, and then it just becomes really, really fantastic, uh, fantastic television. Um, that said, I always have to give that caveat. It's like I dropped it and then I came back to it and it's not necessarily for everyone, mm-hmm. but it is such a fantastic show that I, you know, I cannot help but recommend it uh to folks but again like if you're trying to carve out time in 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 your life like the time that i was watching bojack was yes it was croft and solo time that i could be doing you know playing a video game reading a book i you know it was my most i don't want to say my most valuable time uh, uh but like you know the next show i'm going to talk about I'm, I'm watching with my wife so th- and we can talk about the show after and there's there's stuff to talk about and it's interesting and, and it allows us to, 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 um, to not talk about the, the hell in the handbasket that we're, we're in right now. So, so that's great. So that show is called the good place. Uh, and, uh, the good place is made by this guy, Michael. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm mispronouncing his last name, I'm sure. But I've decided that I'm a huge fan of this guy. Hmm. So he was, a uh, an SNL, 
guy um, who then became a co-producer on The Office, the American version of The Office, which was a show that I very much enjoyed. And then he parlayed that into being one of the co-creators of Parks and Recreation, which is a show that I very much enjoyed. And then he parlayed that into creating Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a show that I very much oh, enjoyed. Oh, good stuff. And, and then he created, he singularly created The Good Place, which, <clears throat> excuse me, is a show that I had heard was really good, but I never watched it possibly for the same reason that you didn't watch the cartoon shows. Um, it, it was sort <laughs> I'm of like- I'm going to get emails or tweets or whatever. It, I do like, like cartoons. It, don't get me wrong. It, it's sort of like the screenshots for it and all of this. And like, I knew it was a high concept afterlife kind of comedy sitcom and, and all the screenshots I saw were kind of like high color, high contrast, like with the, with sort of um, a pastel look. And it just looked like kind of sappy, like maybe a, my mom would like it type show. No yeah. And so, oh, so wow. I was, so I was just like, Oh yeah. I didn't know at that time, Michael Schur, uh, had had created it like I or was he was the guy behind it and actually it was figuring that out that that um, that pushed me over the edge to being like oh we should check out this and I and so we we started watching uh, the first season like last week perfect timing for a quarantine and it uh, and uh, we've just finished the second season yesterday. Now they're not super long, but that gives you a sense that we were watching like multiple episodes every night. They're twenty-two minute episodes. They're on Netflix. It goes down really easy. The mm -hmm. concept is that it is uh, in the afterlife, and uh, the the good place is you know heaven, if you will. And all these characters are um, are there. And um, the 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 kicker is that the main character that you're following, played by Kirsten Bell, Veronica Mars, does not uh, belong in the good place. There was mm -hmm. like a paperwork error or something. She is in the the good place, and uh, and she doesn't want to be found out. And comedic hijinks ensue. However, mm -hmm. uh, I will I will also say that Michael Schur was. Um, was uh, influenced heavily by Lost in designing the show. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of mysteries and little things that are revealed. And like the logic of the world is so well thought out. And like there's little bits and Jesse and I would, would be asking each other questions like, what do you think is in the bad place? Or how does this, you know, like relate to this other thing? And so it really had us engaging with one another and the material. And each episode, like Parks and Rec, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, just feels good at the end you just feel good you're like oh that was a fun show oh i enjoyed that oh it feels so good yeah. have you ryan ever watched the good place i <laughs> i have i finished it i watched uh i binged it uh when it was in season three and ashley watched ashley and i watched it week to week right up until its series finale and i think to build on what you said um on paper a show about the afterlife immediately brings up question of like, well, I'm a religious person and is this show going to portray what I believe is to be the afterlife? Or if you're not a religious person, do I really want to watch a show about the afterlife? Because I might not believe in something like that. And really what it does is I think it plays a very healthy balancing act where it's, it's not making fun. That's not what it's making fun of. 
it's making fun of the concept of uh, of a specific scenario that 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 is happening in the show, which is very unique, using the idea of hell, the bad place, and heaven, the good place, and and purgatory, which is essentially what what you're seeing uh, in in the early parts of the show, and I think that they again they play a very balanced a balanced take on it. Um, in my mind, I don't obviously have, uh, I, I can't say how people of every religion would react to this show, but I feel as being raised Catholic, um, and not practicing or, you know, that sort of stuff anymore. But I feel as though, I feel as though my parents could watch this show who are, are still, are still very religious, could watch the show and enjoy it and find it well, to be of good taste. The opening scene, first mm-hmm. off, uh, it should be noted that Ted Danson is in this show. Oh, and he's and fantastic. Ted, Ted Danson, Sam Malone from Cheers, is freaking amazing in this show. And, like, honestly, I love Ted Danson to begin with, but, oh, God, he's good in the show. So, anyway, he he is um, the architect of the good place, if you will. Um, he's in the opening scene where he inv- in, um, welcomes Kirsten uh Bell's character, Eleanor, to the good place, at which point he's explaining some of the stuff. And he says he goes right into that religion thing in the very opening thing where he's like, every religion got it 5% right. And uh, except for this guy, Steve, or whatever, who he had a photo <laughs> Dave, of on his Dave. wall, Dave, who who uh, got it 65% right or something like that one day when he was super high. Um, but uh but yeah, so I, I laughed at that. It's funny. I never gave any thought to how it would be perceived by people of, you know, different religious uh, persuasions. Um, but uh, but definitely it seems so innocuous in many ways. Uh, but at the same time, and what I, I thought was really clever, and you really get this when you binge it, is that every episode or almost every episode deals with um, – it's not just Eleanor – but others trying to become better people. Um, and they do this through learning ethics and ethical dilemmas. And they talk a lot about moral philosophy. Um, and I know that your eyes are probably glazing over, but when you hear this, is it like moral philosophy? This, But like they literally pre- present it in the most fun and interesting way, but often it's related to characters making choices. And then we'll reference which philosopher it came from and, and why and it's very clever. It's really clever how it goes mm-hmm. down um, and never gets in the way of the enjoyment of the show. The characters are all really, really interesting. And as the the, the reveals are, are, are dished out over time, a lot of like I had little niggling issues with it early mm-hmm. on. And I would complain to Jesse about it. I'd be like, this show is great, but this show is awesome. But and all my buts. Were ended up being sort of um, answered in the long scheme of things. Like it was a well plotted. It's so far in the in the two seasons where where it's been well plotted and and, and well put together. So I, I'm curious to see where it, it it goes. And incidentally, I don't think I've ever seen a comedy show do this, but every single episode ends with a cliffhanger, a la Lost. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's like a cliffhanger, and almost uniformly they they're awesome. Sometimes it feels like okay, they just they needed a cliffhanger, so they they threw this in at the end. But for the most part, they're they're awesome. So anyway, the good place where Bojack Horseman is probably a better show. It is not for everyone, 
The Good Place is an amazing show, but it's also for everyone. I think aside from the the mentalist that Ryan mentioned, maybe, but I would totally, totally recommend that great show for watching with your wife uh, for sure. Um, or watching with your husband. See what I did there, Ryan? That's true. Yeah, no, that's it's perfectly. Uh, it, it's a it, honestly the the good places is, is a perfect television show, beginning to end. It's all great. It's all smart, and they just have some. They just have so much fun with it. So much. Fun so you know with, how it ends. So it doesn't fall apart at the end, is what you no, say. No, it, it, it don't. Don't. Together. That's it. You don't no, need no, to no, say. No, no. I'm just saying else? it holds together and okay. it ends. Wow, fantastic. Impressive. I, I, I will really I have no problem saying this you say they they were they were sort of influenced by lost they they outdo lost in terms of they actually stick the landing and it feels good so uh enjoy the, only, the ride you only get it once it's it's only four seasons too like that to me it's it's that's great like that's a tight show that's be put together well plotted and all this because you will see when you watch it there's no real status quo like there mm-hmm. is even in the other shows like the brooklyn 99 or the parks and rec but if you like those types of shows with characters that are kind of likable characters pretty funny jokes and zingers or whatever um leave you feeling pretty good you like you like the good place so for me that was a that was a a good fit and it's a good fit right now if i was making a list of perfect tv shows for this moment in time a lot of them would be from michael sure and the good place definitely would be on that list sweet well uh that's a good chunk of dungeons and we we talked a whole bunch of diapers with with the coronavirus and stuff but and and I mean the only updates I had left over from from previous episodes for the diapers section uh involve things no one should do uh during during this coronavirus outbreak including going to the movie theater and then going to a, a very popular aquarium in the largest most possibly den- po- po- densely populated area in Canada um so and and yeah i think the both those and for everyone wondering both those things were done previous to the to the virus uh pandemic sort of hitting so it's um it's gonna be a wild ride as we go forward but i think when we return uh, i don't think when we return i will have a third child we will talk about that third child crofton will give us an update on uh on on working from home as he starts that in yeah. the coming days Oh, I just will say that uh, one thing I, I I know I've noticed with the media stuff, mm-hmm. like a lot of these movies are getting delayed now. The movie theaters oh, yeah. are closed down, all of that, right? Like a lot of things are getting punted. But there's another thing that's happening, which is that some things are getting uh, hot shotted early or released immediately to video on on demand. So, for instance, tomorrow, yes, is the day Animal Crossing is released. But more importantly, to my daughter. It is the day that the sequel to her favorite movie, Trolls, will be released. Trolls World Tour, which incidentally I am kind of keen on seeing as well. I, I've watched the entire Netflix show with her and uh, quite enjoy the humor of Trolls. And and I've watched the trailers. It's also very music-based, so even the youngest um, quite likes it. But anyway, Trolls World Tour was going to be a big mid-April release. Um, and uh, then James Bond got punted to November and it got moved up. And then, uh, you know, coronavirus went, you know, even crazier. Movie theaters were closed down and they had to make the choice. And, and the choice they made 
was instead of punting it later in the year when they hope the movie theaters will be open to uh, release it on demand tomorrow. So tomorrow we are going to have a movie night in our house. I think you have to pay like a size of like, it's not like, um, it's like 20 bucks for the rental. Yeah. 20 bucks or whatever, but we are going to rent it on day one. And it's going to be like the, 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 uh, going to the movies except at home and stuff. And, uh, and I am excited about that. And I'm, I could see why theater operators would be reticent because already, you know, with stuff like the Irishman, being in theaters, but then also going to Netflix and them sort of boycotting it from being in too many theaters because of the distribution window has to be at least three months or something like that. I could see how movie theaters would be very nervous that precedents are going to start being established here. Um, and then, then when all the movie theaters do open, um, there may be there, there may be less interest by some of the video distributors. Like if they make a ton of money on trolls, like at the 20 bucks a shot, like that could make them start thinking like, Hey, maybe we should do this without the movie theaters in the future. You know? Well, anyway, we'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens. I'll be, uh, we'll have to report back on that. Cause I think um, you're right. There's one of two things that are happening. They're delaying. But again, the, the idea of a delay and a movie theater being such a very public shared experience, uh, delaying a movie is like, let's take Black Widow, for example, um, a Marvel movie in a, in a timeline of films. So you would have to release Black Widow before Eternals comes out in November. I'm by no means saying that movie theaters are going to be closed until November. However, there are there are sort of repercussions to to delaying as opposed to just saying, hey, we're going to release it. Do I feel as though Black Widow is a movie that can be expected to do well in theaters? Therefore, you probably don't want to just throw it straight to uh, to rental. I mean, a rental for for twenty bucks that's that is four times the the price of renting a normal digital film. But going to the movies, that's still twenty bucks. Like, if you have more than two people watching it, you made your money back. Right. Yeah, it's it's true. It depends, though, because the way that we're seeing it is we're seeing it from the the point of view of the consumer. But but the movie we don't know like of our say say it's 12, I don't know twelve bucks a ticket. I don't know. Say, it's like yeah, it's like between twelve and fifteen. Yeah, like how much of that gets to the movie company, right? Is oh, how much point. of it goes? How much of it goes to the exhibitor, which is. Uh, I, and I've heard not much. I've heard they, that's why the popcorn and all that, that's where they make their money. But I, I guarantee some of it does, right? Some of it's going to the exhibitor. So let's just say, for instance, on a $12, $13 ticket to Trolls, the d- distributor makes 8 bucks, right, or something. Well, you know, now they're making maybe 10 you know, 10 bucks uh and they're they're not having to deal with the third party and anyway it's just now all there always will be an interest for these big movies in theaters it's 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 the littler movies that that might be like well you know why why wouldn't we just stick these on video on demand right off like people have big tvs now anyway we will see i won't spend any more time on it but it will be interesting when we come back uh, Ryan will have a child that I will have seen Trolls World Tour. So a lot will have changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll both be uh, better men for it. So looking forward to those 
conversations and more as we return in, uh, well, we'll see how things go. Could be a couple weeks, could be a little longer than that, depending on how, how my schedule flushes out after uh, welcoming a new bundle of joy into this world. But you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at R. Murphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. I just posted a, a video of, I was playing Doom, uh, and I posted the, the the late title sequence, which is fantastic. So you should go follow me and check that out. You can check out Crofton at Crofton Steers. He's tweeting about coronavirus or teleworking or some government gobbledygook. I don't know. But you can go check it out. Uh, or he'll be live tweeting uh, Trolls World Tour. Is that what you're going to do? No, no. I, I've got to pay a lot of attention. The plot could lose me, right? You That's know, true. I don't wanna... Yeah, all that Justin Timberlake. It... Uh, well, let's let's. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons. That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week. Hey, and before we cut off, I just want to say all the best to Ryan and good luck, and to Jordan, who is also going to be having a baby. You guys will both have plague babies, and I'm oh, looking forward. Uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting them both. And that term was from Jordan, not me. Plague babies. So uh, I can't <laughs> take dark. credit. I can't take credit for that joke, but it will make a good episode title. Uh, I mean, maybe. Maybe.